Notice where your attention is right now. What is the mind aware of? And invite the awareness, the mindfulness, to rest gently within the body in a very simple way. Sit and know that you're sitting or standing or whatever posture you may be in. And allow the attention to rest, allow mindfulness to rest with your anchor your primary object if you're using one, in a light and gentle way. Not gripping onto it, but letting it be there a bit in the background as you listen. Sense of collecting, stabilizing the attention, having a a point of reference, you could say. And then there's the flow of experience, other objects, other contacts, you could say, that arise and pass. And we can see the flow of our experience in meditation, especially as this series of contacts at the different sense doorways, the sense bases. And as we've said, in this practice and this meditation, we think of six sense bases, six sensitivities, you could say, of seeing and hearing, tasting, smelling, body sensitivity of touching and sensations in the body. And then we include the mind as a sixth sense base and all of the activity there. Moods, emotions, thoughts and thinking, mental images and mind states. Just another contact at a sense door. And in any moment, we're either perhaps highlighting one of these we're resting the attention with our anchor, or one is is predominant, you could say, calls the attention. And in sitting meditation, as we're doing now, we We simplify things a bit. Mostly we sit with the eyes closed or at least a soft gaze. There's not a lot of tasting or smelling, although 
there is some of that, of course, but things are simpler. Sounds arise and pass, sensations in the body. And then there's all of the realm of mental activity. Take a moment now and just look gently to see if there's a mood present in the mind. Sally spoke about moods and emotions and mind states in this area yesterday. Sometimes there's a a subtle mood of a little melancholy or soft sadness or maybe happiness or grumpiness. And it's good to just know if that's present if we're seeing our experience through that lens, you could say. If it's coloring our perception. And there might not be anything like that. You don't have to look too hard. Just check and see what's happening. How am I relating to my life this morning? And so then there's this whole realm of thoughts and thinking. Happens quite a lot. Sometimes seems like that's all there is. Thoughts seem to come in an endless stream at times. Other times there's more space or they're very light. And we get very pulled into the content of our thoughts. They seem so compelling and we tend to ruminate. And as Sally was saying, they they tend often to be very self-referential and a lot are in the terrain of memories and plans, past and future and then commentary about our present moment experience. But thoughts can also be related to, in terms of what you might think of as their essence, their essential nature, or seeing them just as discrete phenomena apart from any content that's there. It's so interesting the power they have in our lives. And and yet when you look at one just as a as an object, there's there's almost nothing there. It's just this fleeting pulse of mental energy. No substance there. Often when we become mindful of thoughts of the fact that thinking is happening, it just disappears so light, 
so ephemeral from this perspective. And so this is, a, is an aspect, a quality of thinking, of thoughts, this light, fleeting mental energy. Independent, you could say, separate from the content, the story, or the memory, or the plan, or whatever it might be. And of course, we do tend to get lost in the worlds that are created in the mind. And this can lead us to regard thoughts as a problem. We can so often kind of turn them into our enemy as though somehow they shouldn't be happening or we have to get rid of them or some way that we're in contention with this aspect of experience. And we have this adversarial relationship there that's not helpful. It just doesn't work. And it creates a tension and a sense that there's something in the way. I have to make this stop so I can meditate. Really helpful to notice if there's that attitude. It can be quite subtle. I've got to bludgeon them away or chop them off somehow. And that's really not our... Our goal here, it's not the instruction. We don't want to create this sense of thought as our problem, as an enemy or an adversary. But they will arise at times. Sometimes there's lots of them. I think sometimes in my own mind, I have what I call thought festivals. Thought fest. There just seems to be a lot of mental energy, and it's not that I'm worrying, or, or it's just like, just uh, sometimes there's just a lot of that mental energy. These thought fests it lightens it up, but it requires a certain kind of care and um, a little diligence there to um, notice the thoughts because we get pulled in so much. And so the tool of mental noting, just naming, thinking, seeing that's as a process, thinking, just, oh, that's that activity, that's the mental energy there. And it doesn't matter if, where you notice it, you can still, even if at the moment of noticing it, it, it's fleeting, you can still note thinking. It can be really helpful, really skillful to use that tool sometimes as long as it's not like this club. Check the tone of it. <laughs> Check the, the feeling there. It needs to be very light. Oh, thinking. Occasionally, <clears throat> something persistent, you might find a more specific label, note of planning or remembering
worrying. That can be helpful too, but you don't want to get too busy trying to find some the perfect note. Just thinking is good. Just to connect with that mental energy. This morning we'll spend a little time in a more dedicated way. A practice that I first heard from Joseph Goldstein. He calls it the thought game. I like, I like that way of thinking of it because it keeps it a little bit lighter so that it doesn't become a task or a chore. It's sort of, oh, I think I'll, I just want to see See what happens with this practice, this way of relating to thoughts. And so now settle back in if the mind has drifted away into a connection with your anchor, if you're using one or settle gently into the flow of objects arising and passing and invite ease and relaxation into the body and the mind. And if you want, you can use a soft visualization as though you're sitting in a Maybe like a movie theater in one of those comfortable chairs they have in newer ones now. And you're just relaxing there. It's it's one of the theaters where the screen is all around, not just in front. And instead of waiting for the movie to start, you just want to see if you can notice the next thought arise. And so you're not hypervigilant or poised to pounce on it. There's not white knuckles on the the armrests. You're settling back. You just want to see. I want to see if I can notice it. Just let go of that that posture of of waiting to, to see a thought and and come back to a connection with your anchor, with the breath or the body sitting, perhaps open to sounds just to reconnect with that in a relaxing and simple way. You may find it useful to use mental noting to connect with your experience. And that might be also really useful with this 
exercise to name thinking when you notice it. And so, once again, we'll sit in our comfortable chairs if you want that image, if that's useful. Relaxing. And let's see, again, we might notice the next couple of thoughts. So we're not in some hypervigilant place. We're settled back. That'll come to us. We don't have to jump out at them. Just see. I wonder if I can notice maybe one or two thoughts. Notice thinking. Just as a, a pulse of mental energy. that surround screen because sometimes they sneak in. Maybe there's the thought, oh, there aren't any thoughts. And we miss the fact that that was a thought. So, having this light way of, of playing with this just want to see. And it doesn't matter where you notice. Maybe you just notice my voice coming back and you'd been lost in thought the whole time. That's no problem. You didn't fail the, the game, the exercise. Whenever you notice the thought is fine. Maybe right as it's emerging, maybe waking up from being caught in the content. Maybe just as it's disappearing, that's fine. Anywhere is, is just fine. And settling back into connection with your anchor if you'd like to for just a moment. Letting go of this exercise. bring ease and a sense of steadiness in the mind. And then just once more, we'll take our seat in the comfortable chair, relaxing back, take a deep breath as you adjust into ease in the mind if you want to. And we're just going to play and see, I wonder if I can notice the next few thoughts and maybe notice the space between them. And they may come, they may not come. You can rest easy either way. Let me see. I want to see if I can notice it. Have it be 
for fun a little bit, not a not tight or a chore or I've got to do this, I've got to get it. Not like that. Just settle back and see. And you can just let go of this as an exercise for now. Maybe you noticed a few thoughts. Maybe you just were lost in thought that whole time. Maybe none of them came. They don't always show up when we want them. But they sure show up when we don't want them. You can play with this a little bit for the rest of this sitting if you like. Just make sure you check that you're not getting tense. Not turning it into this goal to catch every thought. If it turns into a chore, you're just trying too hard, just let it go. We just want to notice thinking as the mental energy, just as another contact, another contact at a sense base. Just let it all come to you. Receive your experience, the movement of the breath and those sensations, other sensations in the body, hearing, experience of sounds arising and passing, all the different ways that thoughts arise, images, words, stories, moods and emotions that may be there, different mind states, just Connecting gently with whatever is takes the attention. Let it come to you. Perhaps using the mental noting if it's helpful. But inviting things to be simple and easy no matter what.
You know, many of us place our hands in this posture at the end of the sitting and make a slight bow. This is Anjali Mudra. Do you know Anjali, that word? Anjali is, means respect, gesture of respect. It's one of the qualities of the Sangha that's chanted Anjali Karaniya, worthy of respect. And it's, I've heard it said that this shape represents a lotus bud, which I think is quite beautiful. I can imagine it might flower forth. <laughs> but it's, it's a beautiful gesture. We can bow with respect to one another and to ourselves. Perhaps to the Buddha Rupa and the, what it symbolizes, or to one of the other, the Kuan Yin. Bow to compassion. The beauty, the power of this practice is that it's it's inclusive. It includes everything in our experience. The the four satipatthanas, there's nothing that's not included in that, in those instructions, in that framing of experience. There's nothing outside of it. And if you think about it, it, it would never be a complete practice. It could never come to fulfillment if something were left out. It would always be something missing. And this way of seeing our experience, what we can know, what our life is, is these contacts at the sense spaces, the sense doors. And it's really, if you, it's an amazing thing to notice the arising and passing of a thought. You know, we, we've, we've been meditating and, and this is something we're familiar with maybe. But I think the majority of people out there running around, they don't even get anywhere close to that. They're mostly just living in these thought-created worlds <laughs> and they, they take, take us all over the place. And a lot of it isn't that useful and a lot of it's really not useful. And so we can include the whole area of thoughts and thinking and mental activity, the uh, emotions and mind states that Sally was talking about yesterday. And we see how these are, are so intertwined, aren't they? A thought comes, a memory of something that was painful, an emotion is there. We feel the emotion, but, but then it gets stronger and, and the thoughts swirl up and they, they kind of loop around, <laughs> strengthen one another. At times we can see this conditioning of these things. Did anyone notice any? I had some thinking when we were playing that uh, sort of thought Came. Did, did anyone else have a thought? <laughs> Does that mean you're laughing at me because you didn't? <laughs> I'm guessing. <laughs> yeah, they, they're there. <laughs> they're a big part of our experience. 
And we really need to be careful. You know, the beauty, because we include everything, there's also this understanding that anything we can be mindful of, which is we can be mindful of anything. (laughs) Some things are harder to be mindful of, but and anything that we're aware of can serve as a vehicle for liberating insight to arise because we're exploring what is common to any experience. You could say the universal characteristics of all things. So that's really great. Isn't that good news? It really removes the need from us to control what's happening because it doesn't matter for the purposes of meditation. This doesn't deny that we have our preferences, right? We'd like calm, light, beautiful states of mind and and nice, easy flowing feelings in the body. And some things are hard to be with. But for the purposes of meditation, they're all good. So if there's ever the sense of being in contention with some aspect of your experience or the feeling that something is in the way, remind yourself if it seems to be in the way, it is the way. And so today, if you wish, you can, you know, it's not like thoughts and thinking just started today because we're focusing on them, right? (laughs) I think you might have noticed one or two before today. But but we're training ourselves to really um, hold all experience with this this sense that, oh, it's just another aspect to be known. It's another arising and passing phenomenon another place for mindfulness to arise and and know, meet life, connect with the present moment. So you can highlight it a bit today if you want to. You might try this thought exercise, thought game that that I suggested. I, I probably wouldn't do it for an entire 45 minutes or an hour, maybe in shorter bits might be more useful that way. And you want to make sure that you're you're not getting like, oh, I've got to get it. You know, some tightness or tension around that. Not useful. But we 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 gain skill over time and we can we can be mindful of like check and see. It's interesting to see. Some thoughts, you know, as soon as there's any mindfulness they're they're already going, right? They don't stick around. A lot of time they're we, we, it's almost afterwards that we, as they're disappearing. Some of them persist though. Certain kinds I notice persist. And mindfulness can be aware of, of thought and even the content in real time as it's happening. That's possible sometimes. And it's not that we're, when we're exploring them in this way of, mm, of seeing them as discrete phenomena, you know, as, as mental energy, distinct from the content. That doesn't mean that we are dismissive or, or you know, always pushing away the, the content there because sometimes it's useful. Sometimes there is some usefulness and 
maybe rarely, <laughs> but sometimes. But a lot of it is just fluff, or it's, it's like effervescence of stuff that's just arising and popping bubbles, and and we don't need the information, or or we've heard it so often it's not news. So check and see. It can be interesting to see certain kinds of things and also the different ways that thinking uh, presents. Sometimes it's pictures, mental images. And you can even name that as seeing if you want to, even though it's you're the only one seeing it, <laughs> you could say. Or hearing. I know I'm probably one of the only people who ever has music mentally playing in the mind, but I do quite often. And that's one of the ones that can tend to persist a lot for, even though the mindfulness is really with it, it can persist. If it's helpful, you can name that as hearing. So sometimes a more specific note, if you're using mental labeling can help, like judging, what Sally was talking about, or planning, or remembering. But don't don't get, don't get, uh, too caught up in oh, what is it and figuring out and make sure you stay relaxed and keep it light there was a question I should have read at the beginning any advice for mindful thinking not during formal practice of course <laughs> So um, hopefully there was some answer to that question over the course of this morning. So we can include the content of the thoughts. The mindfulness can be there with that. It can be tricky. But play around with thinking and notice how you're relating to it today. Someone asked me because the other night I had, they wanted me to extol the virtues of walking meditation <laughs> because I said I'd, I'd pick it if I had to choose one. And hopefully I'd like us all to say me to my colleagues at different times, maybe we'll say things about walking meditation. But I was thinking about this. Why did I choose it? It's... It really supports mindfulness for me. There's, and it supports the collectedness and steadying of the mind. Those two things uh, really get strengthened with with walking meditation. You know, because we sit in here with you, we don't go out and and walk next to you, <laughs> and we don't go around and do a daily activities with you. It can seem like this is, the, this is the real practice. If you have that tendency to prioritize sitting, perhaps, over the other parts of the day, turn it over and make the in-betweening as your main practice and then the walking, and then yeah, you'll do some sitting too. Flip it, flip it upside down. If there's a tendency to think that's the important one. I mean, it's not the same for all of us too.
But I think a lot of what I love about walking, and I didn't, you know, I was a, you know, I told you the other day I founded the I Hate Metta Club. I also was a founding member of the I Hate Walking Meditation Club. You know, but I, I did it, but I just, oh, I thought it was stupid, especially slow walking. But over time, it, it's, it's, you know, I just love walking meditation. It's so sweet. And it, it helps me keep things simple. It's just this step. I'll say more about it, but I think a lot of it is that it's very, maybe the way my mind works, it really helps with the continuity of the mindfulness and the collecting and gathering of the mind. It can be great for um, this uh, non-distractedness of of samadhi that we'll talk about in different ways. I think there'll be a talk about it. So a couple of announcements, um, or just really one now because I'm almost out of time. Um, It's getting colder and not that that inclines more sneezing or coughing, but sneezing and coughing are part of what bodies do sometimes. And now that we're we're in this mm, no-masking situation with this bubble of feeling secure uh, to sit together without masks, um, those, and many, most of us feel happy with that. Take extra care about... Um, Anytime you cough or sneeze, and and really do it into the crook of your oh that's a nice sound into the crook of your elbow, <laughs> you know really take extra care, um, so that we we stay healthy as a group and uh, yeah. Okay, gang, you know what to do, and it's such an incredible day, change in the weather, huh? feels like autumn so much today. So get out into it, but put on a sweater and uh, may you be happy in your practice. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.